Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler, talking money and investing. Ann Swaski joining me today. Hi. Hey, there she is. Been a while. <laughs> That's been a while. Yeah. Not my fault. I know. I've been traveling <laughs> been a lot. Traveling I and, have. And getting educated and all that stuff. So, yeah. so I like. We're all into this education thing around here and like educating you out there as well because the educated investor, I believe, is a more confident investor, more confident investors, more successful investor. And it's what you don't know that can hurt you. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So you don't even know it's going to hurt you. There we go. Let's just right. take this to the logical conclusion. Right. <laughs> okay, so... You know, I think this uh, what we what we want to start off with is more of a financial planning type of thing, not necessarily investing type of thing. Right, I just investing related, but I don't know. When I come on, I do kind of feel like I like to do a little bit of things uh, targeted at women, just because I'm a woman advisor, and a lot of my clients in a legal background, yeah, and a legal background. So, so uh, although honestly, this really applies to everyone, but. Well, sure, but but the legal background aspect allows you to talk about something at maybe a little deeper level than I would, uh, for sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe, <laughs> tongue in cheek. So uh, the, the, you you gave me a list of things, so I'm just going to choose. Okay. So prenups. Yeah, there was I, something that you wanted to talk about regarding that. So, did you ever do that, any of that kind of work? No, I that, did. That not was do. your your securities yeah. mainly securities, and it was you didn't. Securities into, and contracts and, uh, right. and variable annuities and. Um, but of course, you had to. This is something that was part of getting your law degree. Is of, of course yeah. studying these things. Mm -hmm. So it just you just yes. didn't apply what you had learned in in regards to it. So right. so prenups um, becoming more common. Yeah, actually, that's what I thought was kind of interesting was prenuptial agreements in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, were really kind of preserved or reserved for the rich, the famous, the the wealthy people would tend to want to require them to protect the assets, which um, there's definitely a um, good oh. reason they would have thought that. Well, I, I don't think it's just the wealthy, though, that need that because of all the second marriages and things like that now. And well, right. But that's my point is in the past, uh -huh. they were uh, more for wealthy clients or second marriages. Was it, right, exactly. Okay, I was going to ask, if is it was it because of the expense of putting them together or Well, just, I think that's part of it, but also, cultural. also I think it's a cultural thing. Okay. Which is why I think this is interesting, and I'm bringing it up, okay. is there was a view, and there's still that view out there that they are unromantic, you don't trust me, they're taboo. I'm offended by you asking. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, yeah, you can see that aspect of it. But I also think of family members that I've known where spouse passes away, grandma passes away, mm -hmm. 
And then all of a sudden, grandpa marries somebody else for companionship. Mm -hmm. And then grandma gets new grandma, grandma number two. Yeah. Gets everything. Right. And then passes it on to her family. Mm -hmm. When grandpa, probably that was the last thing on his mind. And he has to depend upon, you know, the goodwill of, of the new Right. And that that's a great example of why you might want to consider one in a remarriage situation, especially if you have kids from your earlier marriage that you want to make sure get your assets. Mm -hmm. And very often the new husband or wife will have their own kids, too. So they're going to want their kids to be protected. So and another reason I'm I'm from Wisconsin and in Wisconsin and and some other states, you have marital property laws. Mm -hmm. So a um, a prenup will be able to define what is marital and separate property, which can be very important. Okay, so explain the difference between what's marital, marital versus separate property is going to be separate if you property, inherit, let's say, some money. Separate it, property is what you brought into the marriage, and uh, or it could be what an you inheritance yeah, that's or where trust. I was going. That's where I was going. And, sure. and the tricky thing about it is, Separate property can become marital property by behavior during sure, the marriage. I, I, I can bring in the money I inherited from my dad and then I put it into a joint account and then all of a sudden now it's marital Correct. property. So so in those kinds of cases, having an agreement uh-huh. is really important if if there's separate property assets, you know, like up in uh our area, a lot of people have family property, well, family it's gonna lake beca- houses or whatever they want to protect. Okay. And, and your example of it passing out of the family because of another marriage, that would be uh, a big problem. But but it can be for trusts. It can be for anything. Well, that's And what's going through my mind is that you said we can have separate property, which is all well and good while the person's alive. Mm-hmm. And then when that property, let's say, uh, so, so an example, uh, Person inherits money from parents that passed away. Right. So person A inherits money from parents who passed away and person A is living. And if there is a subsequent divorce in some states, Tennessee Mm -hmm. being one, they can retain those assets because it's separate property. Correct? Am Am I hitting that? Is that you see where I'm coming from? Um, so well, Tennessee is not a marital property state, but, but, okay. But would it not be still the case that if I inherit money and I keep it as separate property in my own name, mm-hmm. yes, that, that yes, I would that be able to retain be, that, uh, that asset. Yes. Correct. Okay. So maybe I'm using the wrong terminology. In, in most cases, that would be the case. That'd yeah. be most cases. Okay. Yeah. So, so with a prenup, what we're talking about is you inherit money from said parents Mm-hmm. Person A, again, inherits mm-hmm. money, but they pass away, and the beneficiary of their estate is the spouse, person B in, in our situation, their spouse, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, now all bets off as to what happens to that money, because well, they, they can not, pass it, it to their own family. It's not just that. Um, I know it's so, not just that, but, but I'm saying, but I am right about that. That's something to be considered. That's one of the reasons for doing this. Well, if, it, if it's uh, separate property... And then it passes to somebody like the spouse, you said, mm-hmm. well, then it's 
it's not your property right, right, anymore. Right, right, so yeah, right, I get so, it. so I guess so what I'm it, saying is, is correct. Yeah. Now, if I had some kind of a prenuptial agreement, I don't know that that would be the case. Would that be one of those cases where you have a trust that that goes into that supports? Well, a, would you I, have to do a it that way? Prenuptial agreement handles really the disbursement of the funds if during the marriage a, or divorce. Divorce, and it should work in conjunction with estate planning. It should not be contrary to it, because in your case, right? Um, I think you gave in a situation where it was with the sort person of passed contrary you know it it went to the wife uh-huh. but they wanted to keep it separate yeah so I guess you want to have them both working together and honestly one of my um admitted hot buttons as a as a lawyer are people that try to do this on their own because that would be right, right. an was, example of a bad result that you could get you, by not doing it right. No, I think that's a really good point because you wouldn't necessarily think about, well, can I do this and will this work in this particular situation? Right. You have to think of all the contingencies. Yeah. And if you just go do some form online, like actually this article, I didn't bring it up, but uh-huh. uh, there's some lady they were quoting who has some online cheap version of prenups. And I would never tell anybody to do that, honestly. She may be be the most uh, well-meaning person in the world, but but bad things can happen when you try to do things of long-term legal significance yourself. Right. Honestly, I just, I wouldn't do it. Well, it, do it's it. it's just like anything else, you know, you don't know what the things, and, and if you're in the business of whatever you're in, you know, you've seen every scenario under the sun that can happen, what can go wrong. Right. And then you can plan for that. But if you you don't have that good of an imagination. <laughs> no, people when you're just trying to draw think. up the documents, you're like, oh, I have no idea what this could lead to. And, you know, on but, that... But can, but can it... So, okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'll, I was just going to say, on that point, you know how things have to work together as financial advisors. Sure. We have to make sure their beneficiary designations match up with what's in their estate planning documents also, or their 401k beneficiaries or whatever. I mean, that's one of the things we need to be talking to people about because Mm -hmm. the best estate plan or prenup or whatever in the world is meaningless if you don't implement it. Well, and sometimes what happens if you have a pre-tax type of an investment vehicle like 401k or an IRA, it may be better to pass that asset through the beneficiary designation to somebody in a lower tax bracket right. and then take another asset mm-hmm. that is, let's say, a, a non-qualified asset that's going to st- get a step up in basis, mm-hmm. you know, where you don't have taxation up. You you know, when you buy, let me explain basis for a second. So I buy a piece of property for $100,000 and it's worth $600,000 when I pass. And, you know, maybe I have, um, and maybe that piece of property is a stock, let's say, let's say or, or a stock portfolio, let's say. I wouldn't do an individual stock. So I got this $100,000 and I paid taxes on dividends on $100,000 worth of capital gains and, and dividends, let's say, throughout the life. So now it's the 100 I paid for it, then 100 that I've already paid taxes on, and it's worth 600000 Well, that $400,000 gain, you have a step up in basis at death in most cases where in 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 essence, the new basis is $600,000. So the person that inherits it sells it. And it's gone up to $601,000, let's say, when they sell it. 
and now their capital gain is $1,000 or, or their gain is $1,000, whatever that, you know, whatever that is, probably capital gain. So in essence, you have missed a lot of taxes. Well, for a high, a high tax rate person, that's a really good scenario to inherit an asset like that versus a $600,000 401k that you got to dis distribute over a period of you know 10 years. And now you're paying 37% taxes on everything that you're pulling out. Uh, you can see where that would be, where you might want to have a difference in who gets what. So that, that's my point there. That's right. That's a great point. But that's one thing I can tell you as an attorney. I don't think the attorneys are the best at recognizing those things. Sure. So that's where mm -hmm. um, having a financial advisor working with your attorney when you're putting these things together yeah. can really help. And I was actually bolstering your point. I was agreeing yeah. with you in, yeah. in my convoluted way. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so that's it. Now, the, the question for me that I had was we're talking about prenups. Are they only for the divorce divorce situation, or is there anything in those documents ever that makes it so that if, in the event of death, that we've agreed that these assets, I, I wonder, I, I guess you could get creative, and you say, now it goes into a trust, and that trust basically pays out an income to the surviving spouse for a number of years. There are types mm -hmm. of trusts that do that, yes, right? Yes, right. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, in estate planning, you learn about those. And then what happens is you can have the income paid out to the surviving spouse, and then the corpus or the assets in the trust mm -hmm. go to the children of the said marriage. Right. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm talking mm -hmm. like an attorney. The said marriage. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> forgive me, Father Fiveson. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that that's interesting. So we're seeing prenups more often now because of second marriages and those types of things. Well, but happening. also the other thing I thought was interesting about the article is whereas in the past they were uh, viewed negatively by most people. As I honestly. said, first of all, culturally, right? Yes. Okay. Now... Um, forty-six percent of couples are describing prenuptials as smart, <laughs> while another twenty percent are perceiving them as cynical. So that's that old yeah. view. Yeah. The and the the uh, typically what's happening now is the younger people are having a different attitude about it. That's funny, and I, they <laughs> they think it's good. Um, and and honestly, there is some merit to this. Mm -hmm. Their argument is uh, a solid prenup uh, unifies couples in at least one respect. It encourages communication before marriage mm -hmm. about money. Mm -hmm. And that's true. I, I mean... It is true. It gets you talking about yeah. it. You know, it's mm -hmm. funny you say that because I remember a sermon <laughs> years and years ago. A pastor friend of mine, he goes, you're like, you remember all my sermons. That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Most of them. I, but, you know, one of the things he said in the sermon, I don't even know what, I don't remember what the context was or why this was a topic. But it was talking about contracts. And he says, you know, as Christians, he says, we'd love to be able to do everything on a handshake. Yes. And he says, the reality of it is you cover yourself because you just don't know. And you have contracts. And he says, I have contracts, you know. And, and we use those things to make sure. And, uh, you know, I, if, you, if you look at it in, in, in biblical 
uh, terms. Mm-hmm. You, you got contracts all over the place, you know? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Covenants, they, you know. Exactly. Covenants, we call yeah. them, right? Yeah. And so you think about it, it's like, wow, isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah. How we will often run with something is go, that's just wrong. You know, you can't do that. It shows mm-hmm. a lack of trust. Well, yeah, and the reality of it is we all kind of have those types of things and it's age old. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, another great example of where prenups can be really important mm-hmm. is if you have a family business. Mm-hmm. So if you have oh, a family oh, business yeah. and you want it to go to the heirs of that family... Yeah. And not pass out of the family. Sure. Well, I used to do that and years ago when I would do, I was a life insurance guy, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I would, what I would do is I would go, um, hey, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Jones, you know, you're in business with mm-hmm. Mr. Johnson over here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if something happens to Mr. Johnson, how do you, do you, do you like his wife? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, well, she's all right. I said, you want to be in business with her? <laughs> and yeah, he'd be like, no. that is the result. And, and lots of times those heirs uh-huh. don't have really any, they don't care about the business. They maybe they've gotten a stream of income from it sure. and they like that, but, sure. but they have no uh, training in it, no concern. They don't Yeah, really... you don't want to be in business with them. Yeah. So in that particular case, what I'm talking about, folks, is what's called a buy-sell agreement. So mm-hmm. what you have an agreement that you will sell, there's going to be a for sale to the other partner, let's say mm-hmm. if it's a partnership, uh, in the case and in the event of death, so that hence you will not be partners with the other person's family, you know, the, the deceased person's family that you may like, but may realize that they don't know anything about the business. They're not going to add any value to the business. So right. lots of reasons to do this type of legal planning. And that is, um, that's good stuff. I, I think, uh, let's see, what, what do I, what do I want to go with next? You gave me so many ideas, <laughs> keys to help women build retirement strategies. You know, that, that, oh, you know what? Hmm. I, I got something to myself on the next one. I got oh, something. Okay. I got something interesting. You can it, it'll throw be fa- it out on, it, and I'll react. It'll be fairly short, but yeah. it's it is interesting. Something going on. I saw I saw it on the Weather Channel of all places. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you just gonna have to wait for this one. Hey, folks! I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that, debt, good debt, bad debt. I talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts. Talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. If you want to find out more about that, you go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I uh, hope you enjoy. And a chartered financial consultant, retirement income certified Professional. Professional. I have that designation. I should I should remember yeah. that. <laughs> certified divorce financial analyst. Yeah, yeah. I should remember the you know, and yeah. certain yes, then then also you got that J V thing going on. Yeah. Uh, attorney thing going on. Uh, so and there was um 
Of all places, a good topic that came up for the radio show on the Weather Channel. Huh. And okay, uh, now yeah. that's a new one. Yeah, that, that's a, that, that was a new one. But you know, this is a topic that I bring up from time to time. Uh, people investing in something that I really don't think is a good investment. I learned that many years ago. But here was what it was. Seven hundred fifty dollars worth of gold right here. Mark Dayton is a metal detector expert. Anybody could find this right now. He recently found this treasure in a few hours' time. It's going to get crazy, though. Dayton believes more gold will be more easily available this year in this historic gold country, where James Marshall's 1848 find changed California forever. It's the biggest event of my life. The predicted gold rush follows this series of intense winter storms eroding rock from waterways. As the water comes down really quickly, especially in steep canyons, it hits the banks and washes <laughs> fresh dirt right off the banks and liberates new fresh deposits of gold right into the water. Yeah, there you go. I was saying so you look at that and go, I remember... You know, for so many years, I've talked about that. I go, oh, you know what's going to happen? Gold has its own function for its own demise, which is supply and demand drive the price. Yeah, now it sounds like there'll be more supply, yeah, right? Yeah, it doesn't. It, and, and I <laughs> was thinking, there's gold in them, their hills. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna have to go to the bottom of the ocean, and they're gonna figure out. And they, there have been articles out there talking about how they've gotten the technology to go to the bottom of the ocean, you know, to huh. look for more gold. And the technology's finally there now. Yeah. And when you do that, you go, well, if the price goes high enough, then there's the incentive to go and move heaven and earth, literally, right, to find yeah. more gold. And here you've got basically nature coming in and going, whoop, there you go. There's some gold, folks. That's just interesting. So, I think, I see, yeah. so what we need to do is tongue-in-cheek, joking, <laughs> get stock in the pick-and-shovel and wheelbarrow uh, companies. <laughs> well, that's because exactly what it reminds me of. Uh-huh. Because that, that's, that's who made all the money, right? Is Yes. is The people that made the money in the gold brush in the 1870s was the pick-and-shovel people and not the people that were going out into the hills. Right, because <laughs> they didn't know what they were looking for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was a big part of it, uh, yeah, which is interesting because I was actually having a conversation with a young lady where a lot of times I'll stop in and grab something for lunch. And, uh, and she and I got in a conversation. She used to work at a jeweler. Mm -hmm. And I said, tell me the kind of the background of all these jewelry stores. And it was fascinating. Oh, she was talking about the sourcing where mm -hmm. certain companies and this company actually owns this company, this company, and this company you hear commercials for. Mm -hmm. So you have one company owns three different big jewelry outlets that you've heard of that compete against each other. Which oh. is so fascinating. So you think that you're shopping around and you're really not. You're going That's to the same spot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I thought, oh, my goodness, is this not interesting? How how the, all these industries and you think you're doing something and you're being really smart in how you're doing things and you just don't know how the inner workings work. Yeah. And she says, you know, the, these, this company actually sources from uh, Russia. This one sources from India. And she's talking about the various places that these companies source from. And I said, wow, it's kind of rough when you're sourcing from Russia right now. Right. And she yeah. says, yeah. And we got into talk. It was the most fascinating conversation. Uh, but uh, what I thought was so interesting not only that, but just the whole idea of how these companies actually work. And when you get under the hood 
in the financial industry, for example, it's a whole different can of worms than you think it is. And yeah. I asked her, I said, do you ever see the thing Acres of Diamonds? And she goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So if you had never heard of Acres of Diamonds, it was mm -hmm. Earl Nightingale thing that he had done. He was a radio guy from way, way back. And he had done this thing about this guy that actually had a uh, piece of land. And he had heard about discovery of diamond mines mm. in various in these areas in Africa. South Africa. And what he yeah. did is he, yes, and what he did is he sold his land and he went and spent his entire life looking for diamonds. And when he passed away, broke, you know, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, what ended up happening was there was some, whoever got his land ended up finding the largest diamond that had ever been mined in the entire continent at oh. the time. And the he, Hope Diamond, probably. Uh, I think that's maybe, what it was called. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Yeah. But, but it was so interesting that this guy had literally under his feet mm -hmm. this fortune and he had all of these resources and just didn't know it. Right, right. And, and that's so often how we do things. I mean, we're, we look around at other people and we envy their gifts and their talents and, and we don't recognize that you got gifts and talents of your own. Yeah. It, well, and, and there, this whole topic reminds me of a classic movie, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Humphrey Bogart. Okay. The whole thing is about them going to seek it, you know, seek their fortune in Mexico, getting gold. Uh -huh. And these three team up mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. but selfishness gets in the way, criminals get in the way, and eventually they end up killing each other off. And then the guy who ends up with it at the end, mm -hmm. a big uh, dust storm comes and blows all of the gold away. Oh my and God. that's how it ends. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of the Twilight Zone episode that I used. Do you ever see that one? I, I use this one where these guys find this this gold. They, they rob a train was what it was. Okay. They rob mm -hmm. a train. And what happens is they rob this train, they go, and this one mastermind figures out a way to make them live for a long period of time in a, a chamber. And, oh. and what happens, they put the chamber in caves, and it's designed to wake them up in 100 years when everybody would have forgotten about the train robbery, and they got all this gold, and oh. they, they can get away with it. Okay. That was the premise of it. All right. And what happens, they wake up, and then on the trip, as they're trying to get out of the desert, they're looking up, and they're seeing you know, jet planes. I mean, jet planes didn't exist yeah. when they did this, right? right? And what ends up happening is one tricks the other, one, die, one guy dies in the, in the whole deal, and the other person kind of tricks the other person into giving him all his gold mm -hmm. because he forgets his water. And he, mm. the only way you're going to get any water from me, buddy, is you're going to give me some of your gold. Right. And then finally, the very last time, and he's just about out of gold, he's got one gold bar left, and he's going to give it to the guy, and he hits him over the head and kills him, and, and ends up going, he goes to the edge of the desert, and he's like, he's just, you know, no water. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. He passes out. He's just about to pass out. He's on the edge. And then this person comes in a hovercraft with, <laughs> with his wife, okay. right? And comes up and he says, hey, honey, look at this guy. He's got this, um, he's got all this gold. And she says, well, honey, you know, didn't we learn how to manufacture that That's years ago? I was going to say. I bet it was. Yeah, yeah. so the gold was worthless. Yeah, so right. it was just interesting. Anyway, yeah, yeah. on this side, Paul Winkler. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of investing in gold. I don't, yeah. uh, it, uh, gold, silver, all those things, they don't have a cost of capital. There's nobody paying you to use your money. Thereby, yeah. as a definition of an investment, it is not an investment. It goes up in value uh, and down in value based on supply and demand. Not extremely you, volatile. Extremely volatile. Uh, low, you know, if you look at it, 
as a hedge against inflation, it is very non-correlated with inflation. Mm -hmm. When we had the highest inflation in this country, gold had its worst performance back in the 1980s. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.